This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Darby wrote that song. Wasn't that beautiful? Yeah. I love it when we get to sing original music, music that God gives birth to through somebody in our church. And so what a great morning. We have a ton of things to do, so I'm going to jump right into it. I would like to have you join me in a prayer, if you would. Father, we live in an interesting world. And I know every time I turn on the TV and watch any portion of the news, my heart gets drawn to people who are just in the vortex of struggle. And I I think about the people in Sudan. And they're fleeing for their lives and... It's about a power struggle between two generals and and unfortunately they're willing to sacrifice the lives of countless citizens and even people who are not citizens of that country just for political power. And I know that breaks your heart and it breaks our heart. But God, we want to stand with the people who are fleeing for their lives. Would you carry them safely out of that country uh, temporarily where they could find safety? And God, while we're at it this morning, I just want to pray for the women of our world who are in a daily struggle, um, most often just for equal rights, to get paid appropriately, to not be abused and taken advantage of. Who are often in situations where they are dominated unfairly and certainly without love. I pray for the little girls who are growing up and that's the reality they'll step into. God, we long for a day when that's made right in our world where everyone who walks the face of planet Earth is treated as a full human being, loved completely just as they are. Would you work in this church so that every single person, we can celebrate what makes them unique and we can love and embrace what makes them human. God, we're so grateful. Today, God, we pray for Calvary Chapel here in town and Zach and the staff there. Uh, They are partners with all the other churches in town, including us. As they carry the message of Jesus, would you bless them and enable them to reach people for Jesus? And God, would you make that ministry fruitful and productive? And would you be with this church? And would you guide us in our search for a new pastor? Would you help us to be able to take a really significant step forward in that area, even in the coming weeks? And would you guide us this morning as we learn and we pray it in Jesus' name? Amen. And amen. So we're in a teaching series called Divine Companionship. 
And we're learning some things that we have to actually understand in order to have this companionship with God. And we started out looking at God's nature because if we view God primarily as a rule maker and judge, nobody wants to be friends with a rule maker, right? Am I right about that? Yeah, nobody wants to be friends with it. And let alone a rule maker judge. Um, but over and over again in scripture, God tells us, I'm your father. And if we don't understand that, we'll never really want to walk with him. And then the next week, we looked at understanding God's will. Because if we don't really understand what God wants for us and what God wants from us and how he wants to partner with us as we build our own lives, then, then we, we won't have the proper context to walk with him. And if you missed either or both of those teachings, I want to encourage you to go to our website and pull up the past teachings and at least look at those two because they are precursors to what I'm going to talk to all of us about today. Because in any relationship, you have to not only know the person you want to be friends with, you have to have a decent understanding of yourself. Or you don't actually know what to bring to the relationship. And so today we're going to talk about understanding our nature. And we're going to get a little peek on the inside. So the first thing that you and I need to know, if we go all the way back to the beginning where we got our nature, this is the very first statement made about human beings in the Bible, and you'll see it on the screen. God said, let us make human beings in our image and likeness. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. He created, I love this, he tagged this on the end. He created them male and female, just so we all know we got the full thing. Got it? Regardless of gender, we got it all. Now, what does this mean? Tons of things. We're only going to look at one thing that comes out of this passage, and that is, it's very clear that you and I have been created for personal connection with our Creator. God didn't make us in his image because he was short on images. You got it? He made us in his image because he wanted to create a creature that he could be friends with and be family with. And he wanted to relate to these creatures as their father. Now, it's important that you know this. Because if you go through this life and you keep all the rules and you do all the right things, but you miss building a friendship with God, you will never have more than half a life. You'll never, ever develop into what you could have had. Think about this. And I'm really sorry if this triggers anything in anybody in this audience. But if you've had to go through life without a relationship with your earthly father, I know 
there's an ache in your heart for what you missed. And you know it. If you go through this life and you don't have a personal relationship with your heavenly father, there's an ache in your heart. And nothing else will fill it. So, it's important that we understand the ultimate purpose in this life, the ultimate purpose of our faith, isn't that we would believe God. It's rather that we would personally know God and walk through this life with him. That is the goal of our faith. It's not just being right. It's not just believing what's right. It's actually knowing God. Now, several hundred years before Jesus came to this earth, there was a prophet by the name of Jeremiah that God often spoke through. And Jeremiah would take a pen in hand and he wrote down what God said to him. And one day as he was writing, this is what God said. These are like the words of God. And God said, listen, this is the agreement I will make. He's talking about this new kingdom that God's going to establish on this earth through Jesus. This is the agreement I will make. I will put my teachings in their mind. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. Now catch this next sentence. People will no longer have to teach their neighbors and relatives to know the Lord. Why? Because they will all know me. Gotta let that sink in. It's not just believing the right stuff. It's actually knowing God. And he goes on, from the least to the most important. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning uh, for a little bit. I want to start with the truth. This is an observation that I have made. Feeling close to God and sensing his presence is often difficult. Have you noticed that? That's hard. But it's really hard when life gets hard. Have you ever felt like saying, God, where are you? We've probably all said that. So we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to invite to the stage one of my faith heroes, a person who has really inspired me in this life, my actual favorite person on the face of the earth. It's Monica. Monica, would you come up here, please? You were hoping I would say Monica, right, after all that stuff? <laughs> so I'm going to do an interview, but I want to start with a story. A very brief story. Monica's childhood was in a really tough home, was not stable. And in fact, it was so unstable that Monica never went to school two years in a row in the same school until she was in late junior high. And some of those years, she went to two different schools 
in the same school year, and one of those years, she went to three different schools. It was hard. So you fast forward a few years, but through all of that, she had a personal faith in God. She'll tell you about that in a minute. Fast forward a few years, and she enrolls in Bible college, and she meets this young guy who's kind of a goofball. And she's annoyed by him, really. (laughs) Because no matter what class they were in, he always sat right behind her. And kept a constant flow of smart remarks that kept everyone around him laughing and not paying attention. Everything was great until that guy asked her out on a date. And that put her in a really awkward spot. Her response was this. What are you going to do with your life? That's an interesting question for a goofball, don't you think? I remember that conversation because I was that guy. And I said to her, I'm going to be a pastor. And she said, I'll go then. Okay. We dated for a couple of years, got engaged six months later. Hello? (laughs) Oh, yeah, she got me good, huh? So we'd been married for a few years, and one day she confessed to me. She said, Ron, one of the principal reasons I married you is I had you pegged for steady Eddie. And I just knew you were going to take a church in a little town in Iowa, and we were going to buy a house, and you would spend your whole ministry career at that church And we would have a family and raise our kids in the house. And our kids would bring our grandkids to that house. And that's how our life was going to go. Stability. Something she had never had in childhood. Well, we have moved 16 times. And we're still married. (laughs) Yes, that's true. That's another whole point. Um, We have traveled around the world multiple times, uh, teaching and preaching the gospel. We have had more lizards and geckos in our house than you could ever count. We have swatted more cockroaches than you could ever count. One time when we were in India, Monica had a spider that big jump in her hair. Still, in 51 years, it's the only time I've ever heard her scream. Yeah. And in some ways, this is not what she signed up for. Fast forward to this last year, and Monica's been diagnosed with breast cancer. She had an unsuccessful lumpectomy, another unsuccessful lumpectomy, a mastectomy, She had three months of chemotherapy in which her hair all fell out. 
Three weeks after she was done with chemo, she had a heart attack. A couple weeks later, she had a triple bypass heart surgery. Three weeks ago, she went, underwent a breast reconstruction surgery. And two weeks ago, we found out that she now has cancer in her other breast. I don't think she signed up for that either. Now, we start out by saying, sometimes it's hard to find God and to sense him in the difficult times. So, Monica, I have some questions I want to ask you. Along the way, did you, by the way, we did not script this. So I have, she has no idea what I'm going to ask. And I have no idea what she's going to say. Made me nervous. Yeah. (laughs) So if you prayed for this service, thank you. All right. Okay. Along the way, did you ever wonder where is God in all of this? Actually, several times. Because you floated over the ministry. But in every ministry, there's some really dark times in that ministry. Our marriage, because of the dark times, kind of took a hit three or four times. I can remember crying myself to sleep. Um, One side knowing that we're serving God and it's going to work out. You know, sometimes when you don't see God and don't feel him, it doesn't make any sense because there's a lot of things in your life that are okay and there's just one thing bothering you. Sometimes it's just really weird. You have that kind of a tug of war with Mm -hmm. God. Yeah, I love you, God. I believe in you, God. But where are you? Okay. Yeah. So at any time, did it ever seem to you that you deserved better than what you were actually getting? You know, Ron, I actually, um, I don't, I'd have to think about that one a little bit harder. But it feels like my natural was, I knew what I, I knew it, serving you would be tough just from Bible stories. Serving me or serving God? Serving God. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, serving God. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, and serving you. (laughs) There are some days when I would have taken the other. (laughs) Keeping you all in one piece was was trying sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, how do you reconcile in your faith that you were praying, but there were times it didn't seem like God was listening? Was that ever hard? Very hard. The the latest one was the coming out of um, the heart surgery, and I, I don't remember being that panicked as I was then. And of course, I mean I understand now, and I kind of even knew then it was the meds probably, but it doesn't change the way you feel. I mean, it, it's it, that's still very real. And I didn't recognize that room. I didn't recognize... Nobody came in um, to see a person. There was nothing on the walls. It was just weird. This and was when you were in recovery? Recovery, yeah. right after the surgery. Happened two nights in a row. And um, I, I said, God, I, I don't recognize any of this. Am I in the right place? Now, that's the, that's the meds work. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. you can kind of see as I tell the story what is drugs and what's not. But the, the me needing to know God was there was like a 
real thing. It, it felt as real as the not knowing where I was mm -hmm. and being frightened. And um, I even, I think this is really weird, but I love it that all I could think about was the fact that in the Old Testament, God wrote on the wall. Do you guys remember that Bible story? And he wrote on the wall to let the people know that he was there. And I even said to God, God, I just need something that tells me you're here or the family's here or something. I just don't want to be alone right now. And I said, you could even write on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember it. That's what I think is just hilarious because there's so many things you don't remember. But I remember saying that to God. And I was so disappointed there was no wall writing. <laughs> <laughs> then the same drugs were in me the next night, and I woke up, and it was the same room. Um, and now this time I heard voices. <clears throat> all the voices sounded like they were all my kids. They sounded like my kids' voices. And I thought, well, that's funny that somebody's not here in the bed close to me. And I said, Aunt God, where are you? And nothing. And I got so disturbed, but laying in that bed through that week, it occurred to me, and I feel like this was a gift from God, because I was still talking to him about, thank you for being there, even though I couldn't find you. I, I knew enough to do that. And it, just a thought came into my head, I feel like God put it there and said, I put you to sleep so you wouldn't worry. And that was true. I, after asking that and asking him to write on the wall, I did fall asleep, and I did not wake up until it was light, and there were people and nurses in my room. <clears throat> I thought, well, he did answer my prayer. I mean, I, it just, it's so weird because we want God, and sometimes we want him in the image that we think would help us, but he was there. He was yeah. there, and he still answered that prayer. I really believe that with all my heart. Well, that kind of ties into the next question, looking back. Are you able to see any points at which you now know God was working for your good and protecting you? Mm. Maybe the childhood um, story? Yeah, sure. That'd be great. Um, second or third grade, <clears throat> he's told you how many times we moved. We didn't have... Um, we didn't have anyone in our life, family or otherwise, that was anything to tie everything together. And it was not a good marriage, but um, uh, the one thing I am so thankful for is that my dad verbally did not treat my mom nice, but he never treated us poorly or mother. I am thankful for that I don't have that image to, to deal with, too. <clears throat> but... It was a Sunday afternoon, I remember that, and I'm the oldest of three. We were all in the same bedroom, and I was supposed to be sleeping. And they started arguing, and they raised voices. And that was something I had not heard, so it was frightening to me, even being a second or third grader. <clears throat> and um, it got a little bit hotter, and, and I wasn't sure what to expect, because when nothing's safe in your family or there's no stability, you can just, your imagination goes crazy, I can tell you that. And um, uh, I just, mom read the Bible to us every day. She read Bible stories, children's books. And 
<clears throat> then she'd talk about it a little bit and explain. And I feel like at that little age, um, I had a great understanding of God because I was I sat up in that bunk bed and just I started to cry, just tears, not crying, just tears and a little fear. And I said, God, it would feel so good if somebody just picked me up and hold me next to him. And literally, how this happens, I don't know. But the next thing I knew, there was a huge hand. Now, not as clearly seen as this, but that image was there of hand and picked, just picked me up and pulled me in like this, just enough that I just calmed down and I wasn't afraid anymore. That was my first visual um, feeling like that God was right there. And my understanding, since I've analyzed that so many times, and I've told several of you that story because trying to help you understand that in asking, we will get. I mean, those two stories show you I didn't see God, anything in this recent story, but as a child, he let me see something. There was a vision of some kind that he was right there and was going to take care of us. And... Um, it's, it's not always the way that we think we want to see him or we feel him. But if we keep asking, and which I did on this heart surgery, I kept saying, God, really, why it bothered me? And, and some of you, I've told that story, and I cried when I told it to you. It was just like I never felt the, the lack of God ever in my life as much as that, that night. And that was frightening to me. Would I have given up my faith? No. I know too much now. That's not worth saying there is not a God. It, it's not. It's There's too much other happened. But <clears throat> I do think that if you keep searching, God, what would it take to know you were here? And that kind of thing. He will give you the answers. He knows that you, I need personally. And we're all different. So it's not going to be the same, but he will eventually talk to you and listen. Yeah. You can hear him. I've had several instances where I've actually heard God's voice. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So much more we could dig into. Thank you, thank you, thank you for setting the scene for what we're going to talk about today. And oh yes, for being a fantastic wife and partner in life. I wouldn't have it any other way. Now you guys are going to make me cry. <laughs> I really wanted Monica to share that story because all of us can relate to that in different ways. And what Monica was saying is actually this. It was about internal postures that she chose because correct internal postures enable our faith to grow and develop into a vibrant personal companionship with God. I want to take us to a story of Jesus, okay? Jesus said this, the kingdom of heaven 
is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures, which was like six quarts of flour, so a lot of it, it permeated every part of the dough. Now listen, there's a message in the yeast about this kingdom and this companionship with God. Um, some of you are familiar with this, this picture. This is yeast blooming like it's supposed to. And just so you know, the ideal temperature for yeast to bloom, are you ready for this, is 105 degrees Fahrenheit. I know, I'm a picky dude. I have an instant read thermometer at my house. And when I'm baking bread, I, I heat the, I, I put milk and a little bit of sugar in, in a Pyrex and I heat it until it's 105 degrees. And then I put in the yeast and it just blooms, right? There's a lesson in that for us. And that is if you want the yeast to grow, you have to put it in the right conditions. And if your yeast blooms and you mix it into the dough, then you go to this step. You put it in a bowl and you put not just any cloth over it, but what kind? A damp cloth, right? Because again, you're trying to create the conditions that are optimal for dough to proof. Some of you, if you have newer ovens, you have a proof setting on your oven, right? That's because the ideal conditions for bread dough to rise are 75 degrees and 75% humidity. And if you're really picky, this is what you do. You get one of these and you set it for 75 degrees and it maintains 75 degrees and 75% humidity. And it's cool. It even folds up in stores. Yeah. Listen, there's a lesson in all of that for us. Remember we said that you and I were created in the image of God? That's like the yeast on the inside of us. And if we don't put it in the right conditions, it just lies dormant and does nothing. But if we love ourselves enough, I'm not even talking about loving God. When you connect with God, you'll love him because he's the most loving thing you'll ever encounter. But if you love yourself enough, you will put that piece of the image of God in you in the right conditions so it will bloom and proof like yeast. Because our goal is to enable our faith to grow into a vibrant personal companionship with God. So let's talk about four, very quickly as we close, four internal postures that will really help this image of God in us bloom and grow. And they are these, a posture of release. It's not easy to connect with God. 
And one of the reasons it's difficult is there are so many other things that distract us. Have you ever thought, you know what, I'm going to go have my time with God. And as soon as you sit down, everything comes into your head but God. Anybody ever have that? Yes, that's normal. You, you, you need a posture of release. And by the way, I'm going to give you some physical postures today, five of them in all, that will help. They help me. Because sometimes it's easier for me to create an internal posture if I have a physical posture that goes with us, with it. By the way, that's why sometimes people bow their heads and close their eyes when they pray. It's an external posture that helps get an internal posture where it belongs. Okay? So for me, a posture of release is just put my hands like this, and it's like I'm letting go of everything. Everything that distracts me, everything that worries me, everything that bothers me, everything that entices me that I kind of want to think about right then, everything I'm going to do in the rest of, of the day, I find for me, if, if I want this, this thing in me to grow, I have to release all the stuff that preoccupies me. The second posture is a posture of openness. I think sometimes, and Monica said it so well, we, we pray and we hope God shows up just like this. And oftentimes, he doesn't show up like that. God, would you write on the wall? I don't see anything. And yet, God, God was saying, why would you want me to write on the wall? Wouldn't it be better if I just put you to sleep in peace? and let your body recover. Oh. There has to be an openness for God to show up and say whatever he wants to say. And it really helps me, once I have released everything, to turn my palms up and say, God, I'm here, I'm open. My open sign is on. Did you know I say that to God? You ever go up to a business and the open sign is not on? That's a bummer, right? Well, when we come to God and our open sign is not on, that's a bummer for him. So I tell him, my open sign's on. You can show up however you want to. You can say whatever you want. Because I really want to hear. And then a third posture is this. A posture of faith. This is primarily a posture of action. I'm not just going to receive whatever God sends. So when, when I do this one, I turn my hands like this. And I happen to be right-handed, so I put my right hand in front of my left hand to simulate I am ready for action. I'm ready to do something. And whatever you call me to do, I'm going to do it. And then... There's a posture of waiting because God doesn't always speak at our command. Have you noticed? This is my posture of waiting. God, I'm just going to wait. Now, these are not deeply theological and they don't, they're not hard to understand, right? That's why I'm not going to give a whole lot of Bible examples and do all that. You, you don't actually need that. Okay? 
But I do want to point you to one scripture as we close. And it's a scripture that was spoken that God said this through the prophet uh, Jeremiah. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And then God finishes by saying, I will be found by you. That's God's guarantee, says the Lord. Monica didn't tell you this story, but I want to close with another story out of her life. This was several years ago, and she had a really, really important decision to make about her employment, and it was a really hard decision, and she she had to make the decision by the next morning, and she'd been praying about it and didn't wasn't hearing much from God. And so as she left her place of work, knowing that she either had to sign the contract tomorrow or not sign it, as she left her place of work, she got in the car and she said this to God. God, you know, I have to make this decision by tomorrow morning. And I'm not hearing much from you. So here's the deal. I'm going to get in my car and drive. Okay. So she got in her car and then she reached over and she patted the passenger seat. And she said, that's for you. I'm taking you on a ride with me. And I'm not going to stop driving until you speak to me. She pulls out of the driveway and just barely got down the street and she got a message from God. Now, Monica didn't invent that. She heard that from a pastor who didn't invent it either. He got it from his college professor in, in theology school. And that college professor said to the college students one day, if you ever, ever want to hear from God and develop a personal relationship with, with him, I want you to come and talk to me after class. And one of the students did. And he walked back to the, to the professor and said, I want to know how to do that. And he said, great, I'll show you. So he went and got two chairs, and he set them up like this. And he said, I want you to sit in that chair, and this one is for Jesus. See you later. Start talking. And as that college student shared later on as a pastor, it changed his life forever. Because for the first time in his life, he actually felt like he had a personal conversation with Jesus. I, I don't know if that will help you. I don't know if this will help you or this or, or any of those other things. But I do know this. There has to be internal postures that take place here if you want to walk with God. Does that make sense to everybody?
So today, we're going to move into a time of communion and then into a time of baptism. It's a beautiful thing. And in a way, they're all tied together. Baptism is this wonderful thing where, where our heart and our life is joined with Christ. And Paul writes and says in 2 Corinthians, through us, through those of us who are Jesus followers, God brings knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance of Jesus. Don't you love that? As in that 23rd Psalm that we have read, and we will read again next week, David says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Those are two of the most wonderful fragrances in the world. The fragrance of mercy and the fragrance of goodness. May those be the things that follow us, that we leave behind wherever we go. Because it was the goodness and mercy of Jesus that kept him on the cross. And in communion, we celebrate the goodness and the mercy of Jesus. I'm going to pray, and then I want to invite you to make your way to the tables around the outside. Again, communion at New Life is open to anyone who wants to honor Christ but it's always optional. Please don't feel like you have to. There's no guilt here. Lord Jesus, we thank you that it's your goodness and mercy so evident on the cross that follows you wherever you go and may it follow us wherever we go as we walk through this life with you. We pray it in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.